Drew Patno and Luke Chase on here for episode 18 of the More Than the Name podcast. We are joined by today with Brian Bender, the head men's basketball coach at Southwest Mississippi Community College. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I didn't know you guys had 18 episodes already. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I'm, eight, I'm your 18th selection. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Brian, we're going to dive right into it. There's a lot of kids, you know, our primary target demographic is kids our age, you know, 23, 27, diving into their first entry-level job, but they have ideas of where they want to be 10, 15, 20 years. You had the opportunity to work with legendary Davidson coach uh, Bob McKillop with, when you were working with Team USA and Tubby Smith when you were at Minnesota. What did you learn from those people who are in spots that you wanted to be in and obviously being a head coach now? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, any opportunity that you get to learn from anybody, whether they're a Hall of Fame coach or, you know, it's your neighbor, um, you want to take that opportunity to learn. One of my goals, um, especially recently, has always been to try and be the fastest learner in the room. And, you know, anywhere that you are, you have an opportunity to learn and grow and you're always on stage, which means to me, um, you know, no matter what you're doing, people are watching and you always got to be two feet in, even though we have lofty goals and things we want to accomplish every single day you got to chip away at those things and do the right things. Um, you know, having the opportunity to work for Tubby Smith. So I was a manager at the university of Minnesota and I started there. Uh, I could, you know, backtrack a little bit, but you know, when I was in middle school, you know, you like ask you, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I knew I wanted to coach. Um, I was always one of the smaller kids. So, you know, me being a good athlete, I was good, but you know, all these kids started growing and I didn't. So it was a little <laughs> bit more difficult for me. So I knew I wanted to coach at a young age. Um, but to coach at college was difficult, um, having not been a college player. And so what I did, I was a student manager at the University of Minnesota, um, got on staff when I was a freshman, and ended up working there for eight years. I did my undergrad there, my grad school, and my I was three years full-time as a video coordinator. So during that stage, I did have an opportunity to work with USA Basketball, kind of like an intern. You know, It was a 16-day internship. It was in Washington, D.C., uh, some of those guys are still playing in the NBA now. Mason Plumley, um, Ryan Kelly just got out of the NBA. Kemba Walker was on that team. Um, quite a few guys, you know, Lance Stevenson, Jamichael Green, uh, the Ware Twins that played at UCLA in North Carolina. But, you know, I got to work for Bob McKillop there, and I work for Hall from Coach Tubby Smith. And, you know, the most amazing thing about those guys is they just bring it every day with their energy and their passion. And, you know, they, they use their platforms to better other people's lives. And that's what our jobs are as coaches. So you mentioned uh, being a student manager as a freshman. So 18 years old, you walk into the, you know, into the gym and Tubby Smith is, you know, essentially your boss. How was that first kind of interaction? How'd you go about kind of earn, one earning his trust and respect to, you know, to show that you're a valuable asset to, you know, this giant puzzle piece that he has as a basketball team. Yeah, definitely. So, the surprising thing, actually, so my junior year was Tubby's first year. So my first year was with Dan Munson. Dan Munson was a head coach at Gonzaga, and he, he, he came to Minnesota, you know, in the late 90s. And then my sophomore year, we had a change of coaching staff in the middle of the season. And so that's kind of where everything started. So towards the end of my freshman year, I started learning some video work on the computer. Um, that was just kind of the wave that was starting was video scouting and different things. They did a lot of deck to deck VHS player hit play on one, hit record on the other, and they pieced it together. <laughs> now we got computers. Now we have this film exchange that's on a computer and everything's kind of uploaded onto servers and cut up and analytics and all these things. But so my sophomore year, um, in October, no, it would have been like late November. We played Clemson in the big 10 ACC challenge. We got blitz the next day. Coach Munson gets fired. Jim Molinari takes over. One of the assistants gets canned as well. And, 
you know, all of a sudden here I am a manager that all of a sudden was like, Hey, working 24 seven in the office because they needed the help. You know, they got rid of two people. Um, and you know, one of the people they promoted was Nico Medved, who's now the head coach at Colorado state. I was sharing an office with Nico. Um, but anyways, long story short. So I started to do video work and different things. And then at the end of the season, uh, they made, you know, they didn't make him the official head coach. He was just interim was Jim Molinari and Tubby came in. Well, here I am the oldest manager, the most experienced manager. I had known how to do everything, whether it was in the office on the court, you know, I knew I'd do video. And the first thing we did that summer was camps. And, you know, I was scared shitless of Tubby Smith, but you know, he came in and here's a hall of fame legend. And, you know, you see, see all these things. And, you know, some people are bashing the hire. Some people are like, dude, we just got a guy that won a national championship from Kentucky. So, you know, it's mixed, mixed signals coming in from what you read and what you're not, but he's, he's exactly what he, you know, as advertised, he's a phenomenal human being. He's a hall of fame coach, but a hall of fame person. And, you know, just learning through osmosis, learning through watching, learning through, you know, having the opportunity to be with him every single day and be in meetings and, and learn, you know, what it's like to be a coach and at the highest level and treat everyone with respect and all that good stuff. But he was a phenomenal practice coach. You know, he got he got all the coaches sweating out there and, you know, we were getting after it every single day. And then, you know, you had a stint where you were an assistant coach at Missouri State University, West Plains. You were the director of basketball operations at Appalachian State. And now, you know, you're your head, own head coach. How did you really come in and set the tone with your players and set the culture that you wanted in your program? Yeah, so, you know, culture is kind of a buzzword right now. And a lot of people don't fully understand what it is. Um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of, you know, processing. It takes a lot of changing. It takes a lot of you know, learning what to do as well as learning what not to do. And so, you know, kind of to backtrack a little bit with, you know, went to Missouri State, West Plains, you know, to get some coaching experience or recruiting experience, because especially at a younger age and at the highest levels of Division One, you are on a coaching staff, but you're not technically coaching and you're not recruiting. And so one of the reasons why I went to the junior college ranks was to get more experience. Then I went back to Division One, and, you know, through that connection with the USA basketball, Bob McKillop's top assistant was Jim Fox. He gets the App State job. He brings me on, get to know him very well through that process over a few years. And I was doing a lot of things to run a program there for three years, but you know, there was no changes. You know, we hadn't moved into a different league. We, we went through some APR struggles and it was a hard job. And so this job down here in Mississippi opened and I had known the coach for a long time through camps. Uh, his name was Thomas Gray. He's now at Ole Miss. And Thomas said, Hey, Bender, come down here for a year. There's a pretty good chance at the end of the season, I won't be here. And you hear that and you're like, holy cow, like you may be handed a job when you're 30 years old to be a division one junior college head coach. And lo and behold, that's kind of what happened. Um, not, not that easily. Um, but you know, he got to know Kermit Davis. He had sent a kid to middle Tennessee. Kermit Davis actually coached here. There's two coaches. Here's an interesting fact for you. Two coaches, Southwest Mississippi. First two years, they have a winning record. Brian Bender, Kermit Davis. There's, there's some <laughs> sports trivia for you. <laughs> no, but so Thomas goes on there and, you know, it was one of those things where, Hey, you think, you know, a lot of things. And then you slide over that 18 inches. And it's as real as you can get. Um, there are certain things I was more ready for. There are certain things I wasn't ready for. And, you know, every day I'm still learning, you know, here I am starting year three and I've kind of evolved as a head coach of, you know, what it is I'm trying to accomplish, what it is that I want to, you know, create as a culture, but, you know, I want to create a culture where there's more leaders rather than followers where, you know, we're bettering everyone's life and in the program. Um, and we're doing things that, 
you know, have to do with your, to have a good, strong culture, you have to have core values. And so our core values this year, now it's changed every year that I've been here, just based off the group that I have, what I think is important, what struggles I went through the year prior. But this year, um, we talked about getting a PhD in basketball and in life. So PhD is the highest level of education you can get. That's a doctor. And what the PH and D stand for are passion, humility, and discipline. And those three things are what I believe are things that have gotten me to where I am. You know, being passionate about the game of basketball, doing what I love, you know, being able to teach, being able to coach, being able to impact other people, humility, making sure it's not about myself. You know, it can't be about you and coaching. It doesn't work like that. You know, a lot of guys have major egos. Everyone's got a little bit of an ego, but you have to practice humility and, you know, you want to make sure that happens in your program as well. And then discipline, you know, at the end of the day, it's about hard work, doing the right things. Every decision you make matters. Is it getting you closer or, harder or further from your goal? You know, all of those things kind of go into one. And then I try and make those things tangible. And so what I did, especially this past year, was making everything so we can grade it. You know, it's kind of a matter of subjective versus objective. But, you know, try and have things that kids can touch, that kids can grade, kids can take with them. So we had a championship belt. We got a water bottle that says juice on it. And, you know, if you're juiceless, you're useless. If you're, you know, <laughs> juiceful, you're useful. Um, we had hard hat challenge. We had, we do a grateful walk every single day where we just think about what we're grateful for, you know, kind of a gratitude walk. And we just walk one lap around the gym. And now it's at the point where they like, we had a couple coaches in our gym the other day, they grabbed them and made them walk with us. Um, you know, it's starting to become contagious and that's what good culture is. And then you got to hold them accountable for it. And then you got to make it fun. So like celebrating the crap out of things that are good. So we talk about things you can control your attitude, your effort, and your focus. And so taking those three things and grading them and, you know, when they do things that they're supposed to do or that, you know, the behavior you want, you celebrate it. That way your culture is not always negative. Um, a lot of coaching is negative at times. So you want to try and create a positive environment where they can learn and, you know, connect with each player, understand what their why is and what's important to them. And, you know, we do these passion statements. So what, what can you, what is it that, makes you go and then how are we going to make sure you don't quit? So we, we just have, we have these passion meetings and um, PhD meetings and we've done a couple of them so far this semester. And that's our last project was they wrote an index card with the passion statements. That's great. You know, that's all, everything right there is great in building a culture. And you mentioned, you know, being at the junior college level, you do, you said that you changed every year depending on the group you have, but there's a lot of turnover one players two even coaching staff, right? Cause I think people look at, you know, maybe from the outside looking in one, people think last chance you just, that's a natural connection to Juco at the national level. Mm -hmm. That's what people know. So how do you kind of maneuver being at the junior college level where, you know, kids are coming in to get that division one scholarship, but teach them at the same time and build the program all at once. You know, you're, you're juggling a lot of things and trying to, you know, achieve multiple goals for a lot of different people at the same time. Yeah. Good question. Um, so my first year as a head coach, we actually had a, you know, part of our values and, and culture was about um, all about the ships. It was about winning a championship and getting you a scholarship. Yeah. And me as a coach, you know, we missed on a lot of stepping stones in terms of building them as men and as character people. And, you know, we ended up 12 and 11. I had six players signed division one scholarships, five freshmen. We led the United States of America in getting guys to the next level. And we had eight players signed. All of our guys graduated and they did all those things. But we were 12 and 11. 
Mm-hmm. Now, part of it was because a couple guys got hurt, a couple guys got suspended. We had some crazy stuff go down. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, JUCO, JUCO is not the point. The point is to use junior college to get you to where you want to be. And that has to go with your question, too. Like, it is your coaches and it is your players and it is, you know, everybody in your program. You're there for one or two years max. And so even my first year as a head coach, my three assistants aren't here anymore. I got new ones. Um, so they've all gotten different jobs and different things. And um, at the end of the day, like, you, it's about how you present things. It's about how you um, present it to them. What's important? What values are you instilling in them for the rest of their lives? But you know, it's also very rewarding at this level. Cause you get to help guys, um, you know, with their recruitment and expedite their careers and you figure out what that motive is. And, you know, there's different reasons why kids are at Juco. You got to remember that too, because that's why they're there in the first place. Right. Maybe they weren't good enough at their previous school. Maybe they got kicked off. Maybe they got in trouble. Maybe their grades weren't where they needed to be out of high school. Maybe they were under recruited or they didn't have the recruitment that they wanted. So they're coming to us. You know, a lot of it has to do with recruitment and starting their education, but some, you know, especially in this state, you know, they're lucky to be able to play college basketball. And so we have so many in-state scholarships where we're going to do that. There are challenges, but at the end of the day, like, you know, trying to build your program, um, trying to recruit to that program. So you see on East Mississippi, it kind of gives Juco a bad rap and we're in that same league. You know, I don't have the same crazy, like I still have some crazy every once in a while, but it's not, <laughs> it's not the level because that's not the type of kid that I want to coach. Right. Yeah. You know, so I try and seek out the higher character kids. I'm not going to cheat at Juco. I'm not going to do anything unethical because I want to make my career, you know, continue. And I don't think that's the right way to win. But um, every day we try and do the right things and we try and help a lot of people achieve their goals, both my coaches, my players, my managers, everybody involved. You know, you talk about achieving goals and, you know, presentation essentially for all your players when they play in front of other college coaches when they talk to them after the game or on the phone call that's almost a formal interview a formal presentation what is your advice to those young players you know looking to make the next step when talking to those coaches yeah um so we practice it that may sound funny but we do like practice interviews we'll do you know we screen their social medias um you know every day is a job interview um the benefit about my staff is all four of us have division one connections. We all either played or worked on division one staffs. And so, you know, we know a lot of people and being in it more and more and more, um, you get to know more people. And so you have more authentic relationships and trust with other coaches and different things. We also have a lot of coaches experience with video. You know? And so getting scouting reports out there, getting scouting film, um, sending out, you know, different emails and taking the time to invest in our players, you know, but at the end of the day, like, they have to, they have to be able to know how to act. And so, you know, part of your job as a coach is to teach them what that looks like and, you know, controlling those things. Again, your effort, your attitude and focus, that's contagious. They understand when they come to Southwest that they're going to get a good division one experience. We try and run our program like a D one. We lift like one. We watch film like one. We practice like one. We have study halls like one. We have a curfew like one. We do all those different things to make sure that they are set up for success. At the end of the day, it's still a business. And so they're going to pick the best players, but at the same time, they're also going to pick the best people. And they know that, you know, if your academics are in order, you know, we've had the highest GPA in the country. Each of the last six years, we've been first or second in the country at this institution. Well, they know that they see some of these transcripts and they're like, coach, how'd you do that? What, you know, how do you have so many guys have such high grades? Well, we care. We spend time with them. We take the time. We make sure that they, you know, don't turn anything late. We watch them. We do team study halls. We have tutoring. You know, we do all these things to try and better their future. And sometimes they don't realize that now until they leave. But 
at the end of the day, they know that we're here to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. And in return, you know, you, you give me your best every day. Right. And in that kind of clip that you were talking about how your coaches have connections, you know, division one level. So are there intentional networking strategies that you use? Cause you know, the world of basketball one is huge and you know, people, yep. And especially people our age, right? Like we're kind of starting to be in the professional world. And like, if I get a text, me like, Hey, can you help me out here? Like, how do you kind of go about that? And, you know, everyone says, Oh, can you put a good word in for me? Like, what does that actually mean? Right. And I'm not going to say an HR person be like, Hey, you know, Bender's great. Iron. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, at the end of the day, it's about authentic relationships. And what people don't understand is it's not about, you know, we're in a society where we promote likes and popularity and, those types of things when we're not prioritizing the things that are really important. I think the number one goal in your life and every single day is just be present. What's that mean? That means, you know, paying attention to the people around you, giving you them your most, giving them your attention to me, time equals love. And if you love people and you have care for other people, people sense that. And I hope you can sense from this conversation that I'm a passionate guy. And that's why we put passion as our number one in our core values. Um, but at the end of the day, like it is a business. This is a business. It's, it's about players. It's about winning. Um, but it's more than that. It really is more than that. And, you know, that's where people get caught up and, and lose, you know, kind of what the reason why we coach. What is your why? What is your purpose? Why are you put on this planet? What, what is it that you're doing with your life? How are you spending your time? And so to connect all those dots together, Luke, like you have to do things the right way all the time, because if you don't like, one of my assistants, he's, he's really good with leadership training. And he talked about one thing with our guys the other day is, hey, we haven't necessarily earned your respect, but we also haven't earned your disrespect. The same thing goes with trust. Same thing goes with, you know, what type of worker are you? Um, your best job or chance to get a better job is take care of the one you got now. And I know you guys had Coach Esposito on here a couple of days ago. I'm sure he said that. Be two feet in yep. where you are. <laughs> take care of the job you got now. You know, dress for the job that you want to be for. You know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like that, that is the most important thing. Be present. You know, how you treat people matters. You know, you know, I get texts all the time. Hey, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, uh, yeah, I would stay clear, you know, or, Hey, do you know, so oh, he's the best, right? You know, he's the best. He works so hard. He does all those different things and it's hard to have people that you trust, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you just got to do a good job where you're at, try and meet as many people as you can, you know, and then give them a reason to want to communicate with you more. So what type of content do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for mass blasting people? You want to be known for, Hey, I found this article. I thought you might think this is impactful. This might help your life. You know? So that's what I try and do. You know, I, I challenge people. I'll send random text messages, just challenging you, you know, different things like that. I think that stuff's important. And then, you know, if you went through your phone and you did a roulette and you stopped on Luke's name, what, what, type of impact have i had on luke's life and what has he had on my life yeah like has luke impacted my life at all i don't know have i impacted <laughs> his life at all i don't know you know yeah. like what was the story that you want to be told and known for you know kind of like that gravestone mentality of like when you die what do you want to say good father good you know coach like you know you have that dash what is it filled with you know those types of things are important and even though it is a business and it is cutthroat and you know it is a tough profession and people do a lot of unethical things at the end of the day, it's about people. And if you treat people the right way, I think that's kind of gets us to where we want to be. And, you know, you talked about it in that little speech right there. You know how you're a father now. Congratulations. Uh, you're a coach. 
So what is your why? You know, like, why do you, what drives you every morning when you wake up to be a better man and what kind of keeps you going? Yeah, great question. So your why is very important. And I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. So I did write it down. So I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> you know, your, your why is very important. Um, you should know what it is. You should know why you're on this planet. You should, you know, all those things do matter. Um, so I have like three reasons. I like to talk in threes. I think it's easier for people to learn. Um, I try not to word vomit, even though I'm over talking a little bit, try and get my point across the 60 to 75 seconds. So, you know, one, why do, why do I coach or why, you know, what's my purpose right now in the coaching profession? So one, I love the game of basketball and I have a passion for it and what it can do for others. You know, I love to teach. Number two is I love to teach and coach, you know, you, you get to impact others in in their lives every single day. And then three, you know, I love relationships. I love people. I love caring. I love leading. And so this is the one profession where I get to do everything that I love to do. That's basketball. That's people that's learning. That's leading. Um, that's impacting and making a difference in people's lives, you know? So for me, that's, that's kind of who I am. Um, I am learning what it is to be a father. I've been a father now for 12 days. I don't know if it's hit me yet. You know, she can't talk back to me yet. So I can't, I can't say, you know, what it's, what it's really like. All she, all she can do is whine and cry and poop and eat. So, um, you know, other than that, it, it's been exciting, but you know, you want to lead by example you want someone you know what would someone say if they film recorded you know would they want to replicate your life would they want to record you and watch what you're doing every day and try and replicate it that's how you want to live um and that's how i hope to be a role model for my family and you know for me like you know my family is very important i just i just happen to be very fortunate that i found a woman that loves and cares and lets me do what i want to do in terms of a career and travel to north carolina missouri and mississippi when she's from Minnesota and that's where all our family is. So, you know, for, for me, you got to find someone that in the coaching profession that loves and cares for you and is in it just as much as they are, you know, for you as you are for other people. Um, and so I never would have thought in a million years I'd have a baby in Jackson, Mississippi. Like that, you, you, could, you couldn't write that story. You could not, nothing like that. Um, or that I'd be coaching in Mississippi. Like you never would have drafted that up, but that's how this business works. Um, you can go anywhere you can do anything and you just got to make the most of it wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the newfound fatherhood, uh, yep. I should say, uh, in Mississippi, you know, so that might keep your roots in the Mississippi for a couple more years, but you know, it's, you know, who knows? Um, but going off kind of the Juco, right. You kind of say yourself, right. People, you, you know, your coaching staff, your players kind of use that as kind of a springboard to that next job. So are you, yep. and so what's kind of your, thought process um kind of moving forward you're you know do you want to be a division one power five head coach or are you happy you know where you're at now i'm sure you, the answer is yes but you know long term kind of where you know career goals uh if you know brian bender in 25 years you know what where 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 do you want to be yeah i think we we all have hopes and dreams and things like that and in the meantime like it's it's a marathon not a sprint i'm not going to sprint to the top i'm not going to cheat my way to the top i'm not going to you know, you got to take care of the job you have now, do the best that you possibly can. Okay. But you always got to leave, you know, you know, you got to continue to get better. And if you get better, people are going to notice. And if you do things the right way, people are going to notice. If at my level you're winning and you're getting players, people are going to notice. And we've done that. You know, we, we've done that very well. I think I've coached Chuko for four years now. I think I've had 35 or 36 division one players placed another 11 at NAI or four year schools. That's like 11 and a half a year. No one in the country is doing that. You know, this coming year, 
So we're in Southwest Mississippi. That's like, to give you a perspective, it's probably like a good low to mid-major school, mm-hmm. Division One. Yep. And we've had, um, we will have more one-and-done freshmen in the last three years than any other school in the nation. We will have more players playing four-year basketball next year than any other JUCO in the country. So, you know, we're doing things to try and help better lives and get them to the next level. Okay. You know, the same thing for my coaches and myself is that, you know, at the end of the day, like, what is it that you want to do? You know, my dream is to be a division one head coach someday. Is that something that, you know, I work towards every single day and think about? Yes. But I have to be invested where I am because I got to take care of this. Um, You know, what's my next move? Maybe it's a, you know, higher level junior college head coaching job. Maybe it's something in a region that I'm more familiar with, even though I know Mississippi very well now having been here for four years, um, you know, there's more jobs on the East coast than there are in the, you know, in the Midwest or on the West coast. Um, you know, you can't really design where that is. Um, you know, I've been close. I've interviewed a lot of different places, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's gotta be the right fit for them. It's gotta be the right fit for me. And, you know, whenever that opportunity comes, whether it's next year, whether it's in five years, whether it's in 10 years, I'm going to be ready for it and make the most of it. Definitely. I think this interview could definitely, people, listeners, we will definitely tell that you, know, you are invested wholeheartedly and you just, what you just spewed off is a direct reflection of kind of the culture and everything that you've done at Southwest. And I, I probably speak for Drew here, but you've definitely gained two diehard Southwest <laughs> fans and I think more importantly, Brian Bender fans. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, at, at the end of the day, like it is about people and what, I, what I'll tell people um, is, you know, reach out to me on Twitter. I'll shoot. I'll give my phone number. I don't care. I'm, I'm about human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm about trying to have better people's lives and be there for other people. And the number one thing you can do is be present. Like I said, the number two thing is you got to have people's back. And at the end of the day, if you have other people's back and you tell them and you tell them that you're proud of them and you care about them and you love them, um, people are going to do things that you wouldn't think are possible. And they're going to do things, you know, they're going to be at the pinnacle of influence. The pinnacle of influence says, Hey, I'm going to jump out of a plane with no parachute, knowing that Brian Bender has their back. And that's how I want to impact every person that I have in my life. And, you know, whether I know you just met you today, Drew, or I've known Luke for, you know, five or six years now since Esposito was in his life. And Esposito is like a little brother to me. And, um, <laughs> you know, since I hung out with Luke that first time, like at the end of the day, like that's what life's about. And to be able to impact others and make, you know, a lasting, you know, influence on other people. Brian, you know, where can individuals find you on social media if they want to reach out to you? Oh, just Google my name. The hard thing is uh, Brian Bender is with a Y. Um, but, you know, coachbrianbender at gmail.com. My cell phone's 417-255-5829. Um, my Twitter and Instagram, I think, are at Brian Bender. Um, no coach, no nothing else. I, I got to be the first one. There's actually a writer for the Boston Globe. You may know him. His name is Brian Bender. And I get tagged in his Trump stuff like every single day. <laughs> it's something he, he, he writes about. He and, and we joke. We actually DM each other sometimes. He's like, oh, some recruit hit me on my DM on Twitter. Do you want this? I'll be like, yeah. Somebody tagged me in this article that you wrote three years ago. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny. Um, you know, I have a decent social media following. Um, I put some trying meaningful stuff on there. I'll put some leadership stuff. I'll promote my kids. I'll promote my program. You know, I do some personal stuff. I'm still a funny guy at the end of the day. I got you guys laughing a couple of times. Like I'll put a joke up there every once in a while. But, you know, at the end of the day, like um, building your brand is important in this current state. 
but it's not always about the likes and the following. It's it's more so about the impact you can have on other people. But um, sometimes I can influence others. And there's some good people that I follow. If you went through my following besides basketball people, there's some really cool people that are out there and there's some materials out there. You know, one of my favorites is Scott Savore. Um, his, his, his uncommon competitor. He's probably where I've learned the most from in the last year. Um, Heather Macy is another one. She's a Juco coach. She was at East Carolina as a head coach. She has a podcast, two feet in coaching. Um, she's, she's awesome. You know, we're good friends. Rising coaches is another one. You know, James clear wrote the atomic habits book, you know, John Gordon, you know, there's different people that I follow that, you know, I screenshot and I do different things. And I also have a culture and, um, leadership training and then some basketball stuff together kind of in um, in a photo stream. So if anyone has any interest in that, if you DM me on Twitter, I'll add you to that stream. Um, it has probably 700 screenshots and different quotes and different things. And then probably like 30 motivational videos and different things that I use, um, for my program, for other coaching friends and different people, it's just materials. And some of it I've written myself, um, so, you know, there's some good stuff in there that kind of can impact you kind of like, you know, they have the Bible verses and you're facing some adversity and you, and you look something up and you might find a verse that fits that. I try and provide that through coaching. And so maybe it's something you're looking for a quote or something on, on toughness, or you're looking for, you know, something, you know, you'll see like the mama mentality and you, you see these videos that trend, well, where do they go after that? You know, they're, they're up there for two days and they motivate you and then all of a sudden they're gone. So I kind of have a database of them and. Um, anybody's more than welcome to tap into that information. Awesome. You know, Brian, thank you very much for joining us on more than the name podcast and best of luck with, you know, being a father now and the upcoming season. Appreciate you guys. I I guess I could say go Pats, Um, (laughs) but you guys have, you guys have a good night. And uh, if you need anything else from me, let me know. and, And just remember, I got your back. Appreciate it. Thank you.